Blog Talk Radio. Solutions-oriented talk radio show and podcast, and each month we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership. And this is your host Brian Perkins. I'm excited today we have a guest joining us from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Mr. Rowan Claypool, who's, who's the executive director of Teach Kentucky. Welcome, Rowan. Thank you very much. Glad to have you, and to our faithful listeners, welcome back, and thank you for uh, continuing to be a part of our uh, growing family of over 5,000 listeners every month, and to our new listeners, we're glad that uh, you joined us. Uh, We have uh, invited Rowan here today because he is the director, executive director of a a program that I thought would be fascinating to have on because we have a number of individuals who listen in and are um, community organizers, community strategists, um, who are contributing to the overall um, complex puzzle of, of education. And, and without partners like Teach Kentucky in various areas, it would be very difficult to get the work done that is necessary uh, to bring quality education uh, to our uh, communities. And a lot of these communities are, are you know, historically uh, disadvantaged and in some cases um, have been overlooked for uh, the kind of um, social entrepreneurship that Rowan has, has put in place in Louisville. And so um, I, I am just excited to have a conversation today uh, about this program, and um, Rowan, I know you've you've had uh, quite a bit of success. Um, you know, you've been touted as a serial social entrepreneur. You've had um, really two long-term, highly successful nonprofits in the area of education in Louisville. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit to start about um, your programs? And one was Bulldogs and Bluegrass, and the Bluegrass, and Teach Kentucky. But tell us a little bit about um, your history and how you got where you are today. So, Brian, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this. Um, you know, I do think without, uh, it's a little cliche, but this is truly a journey. Uh, and the journey started, I was in the commercial real estate business, and as I always said, I was making a living but not making a difference. And there was a great deal of awareness, growing awareness in the late 90s in Louisville, Kentucky, that we were experiencing what was described as a brain drain. Our brightest and uh, most ambitious young people, our 20-somethings, were all hitting the exit door and going to Atlanta, Nashville, New York. Uh, But uh, the end result was we were losing the building blocks for the future of the community. Um, 
the local chamber of commerce did sort of a crude study and in fact they could verify that roughly an equivalent to one-third of our uh, high school graduates were leaving by the time they reached their early 20s mm. uh, and so this was really a significant civic issue uh, everybody could see the problem, but but nobody really had an idea what the the solution was, or what measures could address it. So uh, there's kind of this idea of well, we just sort of put put uh, chains around people's ankles and then just don't let them leave, uh, which I just didn't feel like was ever going to work. So um, I first imagined a an attempt to bring college undergraduates from my alma mater, Yale University, and build a program that would be attractive to young people that had never thought of spending a summer in Louisville, Kentucky. So our first iteration of this work was Bulldogs in the Bluegrass for the Yale mascot of being a bulldog. And uh, we started a pattern of bringing 30 or more Yale undergraduates to Louisville uh, each summer. So um, over 21 summers, we brought a total of 640 Yale undergraduates. Virtually none of them had any experience or knowledge of Louisville. It was a true exposure to a new place. And, and we always use a phrase, we call it the unexpected destination. But sure. we were able to fashion a set of benefits, paid internships, housing with a cohort and group of young uh, folks also from Yale, uh, a deep, deep alumni engagement through mentoring, and then a community immersion program over their 10-week summer. And then I wound up replicating that model for Yale in, again, unexpected heartland uh, destinations, Cleveland, Minneapolis, St. Louis, New Orleans, Houston, Santa Fe, and Denver. So we really worked between the two big mountain systems to bring bright and talented people to parts of the country that they didn't know, uh, but once there, they could sort of see the opportunities for themselves. So that's that's the first iteration of my work. Um, but I, I would say we pretty quickly realized we weren't going to get any of these interns to move to town unless they had a job when they graduated, which is what created Teach Kentucky. So we had to think about the next question, which was, what was a consistently reoccurring employment opportunity that would be attractive to someone that was uh, uh, very skilled and bright and uh, really had lots of options, and how could we get them to come to Louisville instead of doing something else? Uh, so it was already clear through Teach for America, so we're now in the early 2000s, that uh, recent college graduates would actually go and teach in public schools. Uh, and we decided to fashion a program that's kind of the mirror image of that program in that we decided we wanted to bring people that wanted to launch an education career. So we build certification with a master's into our program design. Everyone that comes is making this deep investment of time, energy, and effort to get themselves certified and truly launching a career. And as an extension of that, we sort of complement that investment by them and invest in connecting them deeply to the community. So mm -hmm. our end game is to get people to not only come and do important work as public school teachers, but also to lay the groundwork for a long-term career. We had sort of an interesting milestone just yesterday. One of our young women who was um, uh, an Indian American uh, 
from New York City who went to Middlebury College in Vermont, came here 10 years ago, and yesterday she earned her doctorate uh, from the wow, University of Wow, congratulations. Yeah, and she is now uh, Raja Carr, and she is now an assistant principal. So that's kind of the epitome of what we're trying to do, is we're trying to get people that would never, ever be in Louisville, uh, but get them to come and develop their career here. So that's that's kind of the, the strategic thinking behind Teach Kentucky. Um, and then, you know, I am uh, look forward to continuing to share, you know, some of the details of how we've done it and some of the, I'll call them the micro strategies that are the building blocks to make it all work. Sure, sure. Thank you. No, that's a, uh, a, a tremendous accomplishment. And certainly it's always great to hear when um, the, the ultimate uh, vision of your program comes to fruition for some of your students is I'm sure you're you're like a proud papa today with that um, I do want to ask you um, just in terms of say the the program being in Louisville um, who did you go to first uh, I know you you branched out with the first one the blue Go- blue dog bulldogs and the bluegrass uh, program you branched out to other uh, um, states and cities, but how did you get started right there in Louisville for some of the people out there that may um, want to do something like this um, to get buy-in? Did you go and talk to say just a principal, or was it the superintendent, or did you start at the city um, city government level? How did you start? So, a really good question. Um, and it's a, it, you know, I don't know what the the actual term would be. I call it a zigzag strategy. Basically, I tried to get uh, an endorsement of some at, at any level from one person, and then I would zig across the figurative street and leverage that to get another endorsement, and then zag back across the street figuratively to get a yet a third. And basically, sure. I just kept working up the street, so to speak getting one endorsement after another. So in the case of um, Teach Kentucky, uh, one of the cornerstones was really building a quick understanding of what the employment needs of the local district were. So we're bringing people that meet critical hiring needs for our local school district. So we're heavy, heavy in STEM, heavy in special education, and then attracting as many candidates of color and teachers of co- future teachers of color as possible. So we're really working on serious deficiencies that exist in the local marketplace. So that's kind of one. And then you sort of, I sort of walk that across the street, if you will, to the um, my base of supporters, which are local foundations and alums of um, highly selective colleges and universities. And um, I basically said to them, look, we've got this uh, need in our community to fill these positions. Why don't we fill them with extraordinary people? Why don't we bring folks uh, that wouldn't be here otherwise? Why don't we fashion something that would really get us some of the best and brightest in the country? They uh, agreed with that. they were all willing to sort of give me stretch goals of funding and or time and support. Uh, and then we were sort of able to walk that to the school system uh, and the local college of education and basically said, we're not asking 
any more of you than that you admit a well-qualified student to your certification program and that you hire a well-qualified teacher in a critical hiring need. So we did that initially. Um, I'll tell you this was all sort of out of the box, and I think the groups that were the least uh, inclined to support it initially were the College of Ed and the local school district. Though they've come to see its value, we've grown from two participants the first year to now we have 45 uh, wow. coming annually, and over half of those are STEM educators, 25% of them are teachers of color, and a quarter of them are special ed teachers. So, you know, we're, the school system now can see that we've, you know, uh, kind of insinuated ourselves into the fabric and that we're really an important part of bringing uh, folks to town. Uh, so that's kind of the way I did it. It's just I kept trying the, the, the key word in all this was leverage, Mm -hmm. I would try to what uh, one person would be willing to give me and then leverage that with the next person. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and then, as you know, you have to keep circling back, he, he, showing everybody that it's working, showing everybody it's, it's growing. And uh, that's really how we did it. And, you know, we did it with essentially no money. Um, you know, this was an idea. We didn't get any big national funding. It didn't have the cachet to attract um, a big educational funder. It was local foundations who were sort of on a year-to-year basis willingness to give give us some um, to rope to some rope to see if we could get this done. Uh, there were some really key junctures where those local foundations did step forward and give us some stability and say we're going to stand behind you uh, for five years if you continue to produce at the the same levels which we've been able to do. So it's. Um, just a, a lot of little building blocks, uh, but always trying to stay focused that we were addressing a very important and obvious and significant community need. Um, that, that, that's fascinating. And, and what's really interesting was to hear you say that initially the schools of ed um, weren't necessarily your, your, your first to jump on board. Um, and some of those, some of that may have been um, territorial in nature. I know we've run across that at times, um, but uh, it's good to hear that um, that has somewhat smoothed out, and you you have you have the support that's necessary. One thing I wanted to ask about the the candidates that you have. Um, I know you mentioned uh, TFA uh, to me before. Uh, have been partners with you. Um, so are are the people generally that come to Teach Kentucky, are they um, out of college as education majors, most of them, or are most of these um, kind of alternative route to the teaching profession type, you know, so they might be psychology majors, but I know you mentioned uh, STEM, but they might be just mathematics or chemistry or biology majors, not necessarily um, that they were education majors. Um, and so it, who, who do you find that are part of your program? Yeah, that, those are great questions. And here's where we're real um, uh, contrarians. We hope not to be contrary but we're real contrarians, so we are seeking to find, generally speaking, 
a recent college graduate or a college senior who has decided during their tenure in college that they want to be an educator but have not yet pursued certification. So mm-hmm. we're providing a very important and essential career step for them in and helping them get certified so that they can pursue education as a career. Um, we are not so therefore we're not looking in the colleges of education. We're looking for someone with a bachelor's degree uh, in a critical need area. So the chemistry major, biology major, math major. We also have been able to work with our college of ed to look at the sort of essential skills. So ironically, the second largest need uh, for our local district is middle school math. Well, we found out that when you really look at it, uh, a business major, a finance major, an accounting major has the fundamental math skills to be adequate to be a middle school math teacher. So we combine that with a high score on a Praxis content exam, and we think, okay, we've got somebody that uh, can really come into a classroom, have the competence and skill to be a middle school math teacher. So when they're not teaching high-level math, they're not teaching high school-level math, um, but they bring their business experience and, and all the other disciplines uh, that they have uh, talked about and learned into the classroom as well. And the, the combination is we've been able to open up this big applicant pool uh, to, to help fill these critical hiring need areas. Um, in a perfect world, we'd be looking for somebody with a, you know, a good, clear uh, content knowledge with a very strong GPA. And then we've sort of um, tried to go after candidates that would score in the top quartile nationally on their mm-hmm. content-specific praxis exam. Mm-hmm. So if you want to think about it for the time, energy, and effort that we're investing to attract people, we'd really like them to be way above the curve. And sure. that's, a, that's been a feature of the program. Now, um, you know, quick to add, we know that content knowledge alone doesn't assure success, but if one can start with that and has that knowledge and you can add to the comp- uh, the disposition of working in a public school and developing the skills to work through the classroom and manage that classroom effectively, now you've got somebody that you really want to nurture in the system long term. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you raise a really great point, and um, I'd like to just take a moment to welcome um, our listeners that might have joined us a little late. Uh, you've reached the Perkins platform, and today we have uh, Mr. Rowan Claypool, who is uh, the executive director of Teach Kentucky, and uh, we're talking about uh, his organization and how, as community partners, they're helping with the recruitment and reten- retention of uh, quality teachers. Um, for occasionally, we have time to take questions, and and so I want to give the uh, phone number to anyone that might have a question for Rowan uh, to call in. Um, feel free to do so at 657-383-1481. Again, the dial-in number is 657-383-1481. And so, Rowan, you're talking, and I just, uh, you know, I think about your your mission to bring the best and the brightest to these various locations, but particularly now you're talking about in Louisville. Um, and so the question came up for me, how do you keep them? Um, I I remember early in the cycle when TFA was first founded and some years later, 
um, they had to grapple with the desire of having the best and the brightest participate and then looking for ways that they might advance and the ways that they might um, uh, move, move forward, but also upward in their careers. And so I know it's a complicated equation, but I'd like to hear some of the things and some of the ways in which you and your organization are thinking about now we have these really, really strong content specialists and you are training them to be highly effective teachers. And they, most of them come very ambitious uh, to you. Um, how, do you. how do you get them to stay um, in a place where they, they, they're not, they don't have family, they certainly develop friends, but how do you get them to, to uh, plant roots there? Right. This is a super great question. And it, as you say, it's very nuanced and uh, it's about people, right? So it's as complicated as people are. Um, I would say one of the things is to think about it less as retention, which is binary. Um, you know, they either stay or don't stay. It's a yes, no. It's It's got sort of a negative connotation. If you get people to stay, well, that's expected. If they leave, then that's a ding. Uh, I like to use the word migration, um, and I think particularly in education, this is a good way for us to think about how people migrate uh, throughout their career. And what we're really trying to do is encourage positive migration and discourage negative migration. So negative migration is, you know, for the for a well-qualified person, but would be to leave the profession. You know, there's some quite frankly, there are definitely, uh, this is not for everybody. And sometimes uh, in our program, we find that after the first fall, it's really just not a good fit. And the uh, positive sure. migration to go and do something else. Um, but generally speaking, you know, we've brought people that um, we believe are going to be successful if they can sort of navigate the first tough, challenging year as an alternative route new teacher in what is undoubtedly going to be a challenging urban school setting here in Louisville. We have a large urban district with uh, just under 100,000 students. Uh, and uh, But anyway, so we're trying to focus on positive migration. So a big part of that, quite frankly, is how you recruit people, what you tell them up front, what's the end game. We're telling them that you're going to come to Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to set you up for success in this profession. You're going to build the, the blocks to be inducted into the education system. Uh, you're 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 really on the cusp of launching a career. So we do we do all that from the outset so that we're really attracting the right kind of person. Um, we we have a lot of work in the summer before they begin teaching. We run our own summer institute, which is six weeks. Uh, we have staff support that continues once they begin teaching. And we have kind of a novel group. We call them the retired teacher advocates. So each one of our candidates is connected with a retired teacher who's still got energy and wisdom and lots and lots of experience. Um, these are what we like to call the shock absorbers. They sort of absorb that day-to-day -day, uh, challenges of a new teacher, and they, they're a non-evaluative support system. Uh, in no way do they ever judge a candidate. So it's a safe haven for our young uh, young folks that are really trying to launch a career, and they don't really quite know who to talk to yet. Um, and so gotcha. that's 
very successful. But I think, you know, it's kind of um, Stephen Covey uh, talks about start with the end in mind. Having it clear that you're really launching an education career uh, from the beginning of your recruiting process, I think, gives us a big leg up. And then, you know, we work very, very hard to look at certainly content knowledge, but also these dispositional characteristics who would really thrive as a teacher in a public school setting. And that's when you got the right kind of marriage of skills and knowledge and disposition. Mm-hmm. No, I thank you for sharing that. I, I um, have quite a bit of experience with working with some of the, the, the very students that you, um, you talk about that we get them, uh, maybe two or three years after they've finished and they've been working um, from working in schools. Uh, many of them have come from organizations like TFA that, um, that when, they, when they realize that there's, a real, there's a, a real strong level of fulfillment that comes out of serving in schools and in educational systems, uh, they want to stay, um, and and I think having an organization like yours as a community partner really helps to um, leverage other aspects of what might be uh, questions for them in their lives, and and so I think that's that's very positive. Um, so so you, can I add one more sure. little thing, Brian? I think sure. another sort of end game for us, and this is nomenclature we use a good bit is we're trying to create a community of educators. Um, And so everything we're doing, we're trying to think about how that creates and nurtures our community of educators in this community. So for instance, I mentioned our summer institute. The faculty for that institute are our veteran teachers. So Mm. we connect the generations uh, and the experience within our own group back to our newbies, back to our rookies. Um, and then, uh, you know, we also, one of our teachers actually has developed uh, a model that she is uh, working to perfect this year as a pilot program. It's called Louisville Links. Uh, we have traditionally connected people along content lines so that, you know, you were a middle school math teacher. We were going to connect you with another Teach Kentucky middle school math teacher. What she's doing is taking a different approach and saying, what are the things outside of work that excite you? And let's connect you with someone that shares those interests. So mm-hmm. it's all part of trying to see that young person uh, in, a, in a holistic way because getting them to move to a new place, as you pointed out earlier, where they don't have roots, don't have family, we need to pretty quickly, if we're going to retain them past their two-year commitment, we've got to set up not only success in work, but also success in a, a personal arena. So that, That's right. So, you know, our, our goal at the end of two years is leaving just feels like a dumb choice, right? You know, I've got this <laughs> network, I've got this job, I'm now important in my school, um, things are, uh, you know, looking up. And, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, one of the great advantages is you can buy a house on a teacher's salary. So mm-hmm. almost all of our folks, by the time they're 27, 28, have purchased a single-family home in Louisville. So, um, you know, it's just a great place then to put down roots. Yeah, excellent. And that's a, that is an excellent plug for you, for the city of Louisville. Um, I'm, I'm sure uh, some of the listeners out there probably perked up like, you know, that's, that is an incredible draw to be able to say, you know, 
20, 25, 6, 7, 8, that you can um, start looking at purchasing a home and on a teacher's salary uh, as well there. So um, as we, we are almost out of time, but I, I do want to uh, take a moment to see uh, if you have anything you want to share as the big takeaways for you. What if, you know, if, as you look across having started these two very successful organizations, uh, there are people out there grappling with the same kind of issues and uh, they want to be able to, to attract these uh, teachers, um, not necessarily people who came out of uh, schools of ed. What, what is the, dare I say advice, but what, what would you share about um, your journey into um, making this happen for Louisville that you, that might be able to be replicated in some other cities? Sure. And, you know, they're big, they're big ideas. And, and I'm going to actually migrate to a, to an, uh, I think a very powerful aspect of this t- creating the uh, teacher community, and that is density. So one of the things we're really trying to do is get more and more of our teachers into buildings where we already have a number of teachers. So we have one high school here in Louisville, Southern High School, where we have 15 Teach Kentucky folks. We have the principal, chief academic officer, and 13 teachers in that building, and that is that is one of the really powerful things, uh, I, I, and the reason I'm giving this advice is don't try to spread yourself too thin, but rather see how you can go deep in a fewer spots uh, and then really get that density that self-reinforces uh, and builds on top of itself. So I think that's uh, you know a good example of that is in my Bulldogs program. We just kept it with a Yale program. There were opportunities potentially to add other alumni groups, but it just seemed like we were going to lose the coherence. And so we decided to keep it what it was, make it pure for what it was, let other people do other things. But what we were going to do, we would sort of, uh, we resisted the attempt to dilute it and to serve too many masters. And uh, uh, we don't bring elementary school teachers, for instance, because we want to be in high schools and middle schools so we can, bring, gotcha. you know, over time build that density. Wow, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And just so you know, throughout the um, the broadcast, I, you know, I, as I ask people if they want to call in, we didn't get a chance to take any calls today, but um, I also receive emails frequently throughout the broadcast, and I got a text message from someone who said, Kentucky, here I come. So All I right. think you have uh, you have right, so it's, it's teach Kentucky um, Kentucky spelled out. <laughs> yeah. They may uh you may be hearing from some of our listeners, but um um so uh thank you so much for sharing of your time today and um we we wish you nothing but success and um glad to hear from you and I'll be certainly be in touch with you to hear, hoping we have an opportunity to work together. I think um, there are a great deal of, uh, of synergies that we have with programs that we have at uh, Columbia University. Um, so thank you again for joining thank us. Thank you. Um, and um, to our listeners, thank you for being with us during this time. 
I want to invite you to join us. We have uh, on November the 18th, another uh, dynamic show. We have invited uh, Lisa Wilson, who is the founder of CARE, the Coalition on Anti-Racism Racism Education, will be here with us on November 18th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So um, that's a, a new one for us. Um, but I just ask uh, all of you to join us, and I'm sure it's going to be great. And so, Rowan, uh, again, thank you, and just wishing you and your organization nothing but success. So until next thank time, you. go well, stay well. Thank you.